y'all. Welcome back to The Drip. We are the podcast where academics of color sit around and discuss great books. Each episode features a free-flowing conversation about one book that leads us to a broader conversation about race, culture, and politics. All the things that keep us gabbing when we're hanging out in coffee shops or each other's homes or when we are each still our own homes because Miss Rona is still with us. So, what I've discovered as I read this uh, episode's book is that I would have made a terrible detective. So I'm just feeling affirmed in the career choice that I made of being a professor. More on that soon. My name is Anita Chikatur, the host for the show, and I teach in the Department of Educational Studies at Carleton College. Crystal. And I'm Crystal Moten, and I am a public historian working at a museum in the DMV area. Thank you, Todd. My name is Todd Lawrence. I teach African-American literature and expressive culture, folklore, and cultural studies at the University of St. Thomas. Thanks, Todd. All right. We are excited today to dig into our first ever detective mystery novel, Walter Mosley's Devil in a Blue Dress, the first in the Easy Rollins series. Um, this novel was published in 1990 and was made into a movie in 1995, starring Denzel Washington. Dreamy. So, hmm, young Denzel Washington. Yeah, young <laughs> Mosley is an American novelist who grew up in L.A. And while he's probably most well known for his Easy Rollins series of detective novels, he actually writes in a range of genres. Genres. Genre. Include genres. <laughs> including nonfiction and Afrofuturistic science fiction. In 2020, Mosley received the National Book Foundation Medal for Distinguished Contribution to American Letters, and he was the first black man to receive this honor. In 2020? So, uh, yes, in 2020. That seems real late for that to be mm -hmm. the, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yes, yes. Talking <clears throat> about American letters, yes. Well, congratulations, right. Walter Mosley. Congratulations. Yes. Mm -hmm. And no congratulations to National Book Foundation for that <laughs> in 2020. So... <laughs> All right, spoiler alert, folks. And before we dig in, just a reminder that when we discuss our books, we will talk about everything. As you know, we do call ourselves the All Spoilers Collective. So consider this your perpetual, universal, all-encompassing spoiler alert. And this is a mystery novel, so, you know, take the spoiler alert seriously. <laughs> yeah, we're going to really spoil it. this. The butler did it. No, yeah. just kidding. All right, so going back to my favorite word to say on the show, genre. <laughs> What is appealing about detective novels? Because they're like super popular. And like I said, among like Mosley's books, right? His Easy Rollins yeah. books are like the most popular. So what do y'all think? What's kind of the, why do people like this stuff? My first thought is that, you know, detective novels are kind of like a puzzle, right? You get all of these, sometimes you get all of these pieces right up front, but sometimes you get piece, the pieces spread out throughout the course of the novel and you kind of have to work the pieces together. And sometimes, you know, what makes it really fun and interesting is when the author um, kind of purposefully messes up the pieces so that you really can't put the puzzle together um, mm. until the very end. So, you know, it's it's just fun to try to figure out, okay, what's going on? Why is what's going on going on? And can you figure it out before you actually get to the end? And in yeah. my case, no. I'm a terrible <laughs> person. <laughs> yeah, I think um, I have a lot of things to say about this. I mean, I think I totally agree with Crystal. And I think from, you know, the standpoint of a reader or a scholar, too, that mystery novels tell us a lot about 
the sort of social mm-hmm. kind of issues of the time mm-hmm. in which they were written, they tend to address some of those things. And if you sort of go back to the the first uh, mystery stories, they are a lot about um, immigration or, you know, like mm. the sort of influx of different kinds of people, <laughs> the danger supposedly mm. you know to the um to the the sort of home population mm. of mm. sort of colonized people sort of coming into britain and france and places like that oh interesting and i think you know from the standpoint of black writers starting to use that that um genre and one of the first i think the first one that i know is pauline hopkins um and her book is called hager's daughters and that also is a book. It's basically a book about um, about racial identity, hmm. and I won't I won't spoil it for anyone. It's actually really good. I would hmm. highly recommend it. Um, but it's it's one of those books where someone's racial identity is basically at the center of the mystery. Okay. Mm. And so from the very beginning, like black writers have been like writing mystery novels. If you think about like mystery novels too, they're you know they're about detection. Yeah. what you can see mm-hmm. and when it comes to race what you can see is not always the truth there right? you go you know so um from that standpoint i think that they are really really interesting and they help they give us a lot of ways to think about race and how it functions um, yeah. in society and even within like the black community itself you mm-hmm. know so mm-hmm. this book is really sense. good yeah because that was one of the plot points in Blanche on the Lamb as well, right? Oh, Absolutely, yeah. right? Yeah. And so, yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I taught a class on the on the Black Mystery Novel once, mm. and probably half of the books, wow. the mystery had something to do with um, somebody's racial identity, whether you could see it or not. Interesting. Oh, um, so interesting. So, and like I said, like right from the very beginning, Pauline Hopkins' book is totally about that. Yeah, and I just wow. yeah, I just want to hype up Blanche on the Lamb. That was one of my favorite ones we yeah. did on this yeah. show. So yeah. yeah. And I guess I take back what I said at the beginning of the show. That kind of was like a detective mystery as well. Yeah. And so yeah. I guess it's our second Absolutely. one of the reading. And so mm-hmm. and actually interestingly like both of them like right like Easy Rollins at the beginning of the book is not a detective, right? Right. Like, it's kind right. of like his right. like origin story of like how he became a detective mm-hmm. and, like, or like well, a private it, investigator, I guess. And mm-hmm. so, well yeah. and it's a it's a it's a noir, right? Like yeah. I mean you've got a flawed main character um he's in you know these sort of streets that are dangerous he's uh you know sort of trying to hear every around every corner is some dangerous person who's trying to kill him or whatever (laughs) he's sort of morally compromised at times he's trying to do the right thing but not always doing the right thing Mm. you know so um i think that it's often about how a person and usually a man um is able to sort of like find his own strength and you know sort of and a lot of times they become in the first novel or the first uh, installment they become a detective mm. when they weren't one before right and they, okay yeah. okay so it's okay. also like this, a genre trope and so. yeah this okay. is a pretty that's a it, i think a pretty conventional trope of the genre oh, okay i had a i was gonna say i had a question specifically for todd mm-hmm. about um how this book do you know how this book was received when it came out mm. i i don't know i can't really answer that i mean i it's been in print since it was mm-hmm. um, published, okay. which is kind of a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, you know, went on to write like I don't know, fourteen or fifteen more of these. Okay. Um, as far as I know, this is the only one that had a movie adaptation. Okay. Okay. Um, but a lot of his other books had movie adaptations. Um, like they did a uh, the corner on HBO. I mean, there were a whole bunch of uh, of them that had movie adaptations. 
my sense is that it was well received, like mm -hmm. in the literary community, mm -hmm. and that it sold pretty well. Okay. Um, but probably when the movie was made, you know, a lot of people saw the movie who had never read the book. book. And, right. Yeah, and I don't even know if they, if the the movie, you know, how sometimes a, a movie will um, encourage people to go watch read buy the book, the book mm -hmm. and read it. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure that that happened or not. Right. Um, because right. I don't really And I wonder remember. if it's also just because it's a mystery and maybe people were like, ah, now I know. That the yeah, now I know it. what right. happened. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 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 That's a good point, right? Yeah. That's a, that's a really like, good point. I don't need to go back. Yeah. Um, right. So there's two reviews on my, um, on, in my version of it. Okay. So the, New the New York Times says, more than simply a detective novel, Mosley is a talented author with something vital to say about the distance between black and white worlds and with a dramatic way to say it, which, you know, goes back to kind of what you were saying, Todd. And then the mm -hmm. LA... Oh, sorry. Yeah. So LA Times Review says, richly atmospheric, honors the hard-boiled tradition of Hammett, Chandler, Kane. I don't know who any of those people mm -hmm. are, mm -hmm. but mostly takes us down some mean famous, streets. That famous. Is, <laughs> okay. But mostly takes us down some mean streets that his spiritual predecessors could never have. A fast-moving, entertaining story written with impressive style. Mm -hmm. So it seems okay. like it was received fairly well. Um, yeah, I think I think your you know the reviews and like in the literary community it was well received. Okay. And I think he's thought of. You know how we've talked about genre fiction over the years, and mm -hmm. um, a lot of times it's sort of looked down on by sort of literary writers right. and the literary mm. establishment, you know, because, you know, like pulp kind of fiction. Right. And, um, you know, people don't think the same way about Iceberg Slim as they do about Walter Mosley, right? Iceberg Slim wrote some a ton of crime novels. Um, but people don't think that, oh, Iceberg Slim is a great writer. I think they think that Walter Mosley is a great writer. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And so he has that reputation, yeah. Yeah. you know, of being a yeah. really great craftsman. And, the, you know, this is one of his, this is this might be his first, first book, book, right? I think yeah. so. Uh, I think he oh, came maybe. to writing later, a little bit later in life. He said he was 34. Yeah, yeah. So, and then he just like exploded. He just, you know, one after another, after another, after another, and hasn't stopped. Oh yeah, it so, was his first um, book. Yeah. Yeah, so I think some like some of the uh, the later ones people sort of think of as being even better, and I think mm -hmm. in this series he had the, his most recent one was like twenty twenty one or something. Oh, like interesting. That. Yeah, so he's he's kept writing Easy Rollins and all these other characters that he has. Okay, hmm. interesting. interesting. Yeah, I guess uh, picking up on like right, I mean both like what the uh, sort of the one of the reviews loaded, uh, kind of talked about. So we're like in post-World War II LA, mm -hmm. right? And sort of mm -hmm. kind of thinking about um, just kind of like that, right? And so like, you know, sort of Easy has just, you know, sort of been, he's a veteran, like, right? And he's just gotten fired from one of like a job at an aircraft factory, right? I think that's, mm -hmm. that's kind of what happens. And so obviously that's why he's like, now he needs to like make some money. And that's like how the whole thing like kind of gets started. So just mm -hmm. like curious about what struck you about Kind of reading about this like black veteran right living in like la post-world war ii like what were some of the things that you know sort of set the setting for this right and to, like the book was written in 1990 but obviously set in like post-world war ii so i'm just curious about like why that setting for this mm -hmm. kind of novel well i mean i think for the the genre again it's it's kind of um pretty con conventional so if we're thinking about a hard-boiled detective novel they're usually post-world war ii oh this one is, you know, I think it's interesting. The setting's interesting because of the movement of Black people from the South to the West Coast. Right. Like, I think it's pretty cool. Like, it's basically what Houston West, right? Like, everybody yeah. out there is from Houston. 
Right. Uh, they know each other. They have, you know, they're connected to each other in some various ways. Mm-hmm. And um, so that sort of creates this kind of interesting dynamic. And him as a um, veteran, this is, you know, and he talks about, I love this uh, thing that he's got about the voice, you know, mm. because he's got this thing about mm-hmm. what he's done during the war and how he can like atone for that or what does it mean to have killed people like i think you know especially black soldiers experience this whole other existence during the war right not only like all soldiers do you have to engage in violence you have to kill other people whatever it is you have to do that's you can't you would never do in your regular everyday life but they've also been in europe and they've experienced a kind of freedom that they can't have in their in their own country mm-hmm. and they come back you know they've many of them had um white girlfriends and things like that right like the so they come back to the united states with their um uniforms on mm-hmm. and they are you know subjected to violence and um you know all kind even being lynched and things like that just for wearing their uniforms i know it's more intense after the first world war but still after the second world war things haven't right. you know aren't they they don't they don't sort of fit what they have experienced overseas right yeah and and they definitely don't get the um thanks you know for having done this fighting right and then here he is in this kind of like new space of LA and sort of trying to make his way and figure out what it means to be a man um what it means to be a good man um but i think what it means to be a man is is not an insignificant part of it because this book is a lot mm-hmm. about masculinity right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so there are lots of interesting scenes where you you hear Easy talking about another man and sort of like scoffing at his lack of masculinity or being amazed by that person's Somebody masculinity. Like, yeah. Were you, were, yeah. Were you trying to find that part where the voice comes up, Crystal? No, I actually have oh, okay. a different tra- train of comments altogether. So okay, so yeah. maybe I'll just um, go ahead. So this is chapter fourteen, and it's ninety eight, ninety nine in my version of it. And so basically, like, this is the voice and the voice is saying, um, you got to stand up, man. Letting these people step on you ain't right. Messing with French white girls who ain't French. Working for a white man. Kill his own kind if they don't smell right. And you got to find out what and straight is straight. And then, like, a little bit later on, it says, the voice first came to me in the army. Um, and then it's just really interesting because, like, talking about how, right, like, when he joined up, like, it says... Um, I found that the army was segregated just like the South. They trained me as a foot soldier, a fighter, and then they put, in, put me in front of a typewriter for the first three years of my tour. Um, and he says, I was in a black division, but all the superior officers were white. I was trained how to kill men, but white men weren't anxious to see a gun in my hands. They didn't want to see me spill white blood. And I just thought it was like really interesting, right? Kind of thinking about like, not only were things like, you know, when he came back, like kind of still the same, but like even in the army, right? So he had this experience that was still like, it was segregated. But he, he, just, he didn't, he but didn't. He also has at the end of his experience, at the end of his military experience, basically when the military is needs bodies, yes, yes. he does end up fighting yeah. um, with Patton, Patton's army and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And he ends up killing a lot of Germans and, and that haunts him. You know, I think it haunts him to, to have to look at the faces of people that he's killed and to engage in that kind of violence, you know? Yeah. So yeah. he's, no, he's carrying baggage, right? And I think that's yeah. uh, so many people in the in the novel are carrying baggage, um, and we get to see him deal with his baggage because he's our you know primary character, right? And and it's a first person narrative, um, but that's a big theme I think of the novels, like the things that we carry with us, you know, from our past. 
Um, but I was also trying to remember, remember when he, they come across Richard's body and he says something in there about how he has seen a lot of dead people, but mm-hmm. it was still like a shock to like see something. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, no, I think that was, yeah. I just thought it was like super interesting to kind of think about all of those things, like, and how that plays into his own sense of like who he is, right. And who mm-hmm. he's trying to become. Yeah. Um, Crystal? Yeah, I was going to respond to your um, original prompting and kind of what resonates about this book. Um, and I think for me, it's Easy's desire to have a home, to have a physical mm. home. Mm-hmm. And, and really, we get from as early as chapter three, and the chap- some of the chapters are really s- short, but we mm-hmm. get as early as chapter three, his um, describing how he loved going home. And he says, um, Mm. this is what he says. I drove back to my house thinking about money and how much I needed to have some. I love going home. Maybe it was that I was raised on a sharecropper's farm or that I never owned anything until I bought that house. But I love my little home. There was an apple tree and an avocado in the in the front yard surrounded by thick St. Augustine grass. At the side of the house, I had a pomegranate tree that bore more than 30 fruit every season and a banana tree that never produced a thing. There were dahlias and wild roses and beds around the fence and African violets that I kept in a big jar on the mm-hmm. front porch and he continues on mm-hmm. describing you know this home that he bought yeah. for himself and that really this is the impetus for him going through everything he goes through in right. this book mm-hmm. because he mm-hmm. wants to have enough money to pay his mortgage and right. so i think about the the abil- his home ownership especially when you think about black veterans and then especially in this time the gi yes. bill well we know that the majority of black veterans actually were not able to use the GI Bill to either get the education they were promised or to get uh, a veterans loan. And so then to see Easy be able to access this part of the so-called American dream, but then you also see that he has to fight so hard to keep it, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's that fight that we see him engage in over the course of this book, simply, and not so simply, I would say, to keep this home, and a small little home, right, that he says Mm -hmm. he loved more than women. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it's a kind of like I, I think that's so right, and I see a kind of tension in the book between you know like the job that he has at the air is it Champion Airplane mm-hmm. Aircraft, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and he has this run in with his boss who basically wants him to stay late one day, and he's like, no, I'm tired, I want to go home, and it's moments like that where he has these somewhat confrontations with people who are in authority above him where he's tested in terms of like masculinity right. and and his own like dignity as a mm-hmm. human as a man i think we say as a man mm-hmm. um and so he has a series of tests right and sometimes those tests get him into trouble like he he feels like he passes the test with his boss but he also loses his job right right so the degree to which within the context of like working or following the rules mm-hmm. or answering to someone else mm-hmm. when you assert your own sort of dignity and power right. mm-hmm. as an individual man mm-hmm. then you get sort of kicked out of it right, right. And so his 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 yeah. search or his effort is like to get some sort of um independence right so the mm-hmm. first like sometimes mm-hmm. when, when i first read this book i was and, and i wasn't finished like i was part way through i was like oh easy is a capitalist you know easy just he wants to get hmm. that money but he wants to get money, like Crystal was saying, to, like, as a, to get yeah. something else, right? To get yeah. this sort of independence. It's maybe the only way 
that he can free himself from having to deal with, you know, like racist BS every day at work. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just all the stuff that comes with not having a place to lay your head that is your own, right? Right. But and although, like, even yourself. after he gets that offer from Albright, remember, he does go back and try to get his job, right? Because so it like, would be easier, right? Like, Well, or it's just more mm-hmm. steady and it's, like, yeah. less dangerous. And more like, secure. Right? So, like, mm-hmm. I feel like he does, like, I don't but know. But he like, doesn't, I don't right? Think- because the boss, he, like the boss wants him to yeah. apologize right. Right? Yeah. for something yeah. that yeah. he didn't do anything wrong. Right. Yeah. And he's like, then I won't, you know? So again, he puts right. himself back into the, so yeah. to, to have his own dignity and to stand up for right. himself puts him in a financially vulnerable place. Yeah. Exactly. And what, exactly. and what I really appreciated about that scene where he's in his boss's office is I think he realizes while that's happening, that his that his boss basically wants him to bow down right to, to right. him and so he realizes that and he's like well that's not gonna happen so then he switches tactics and his tactic is to make sure that his boss says his name right to yep. address him by his name mr. mr rollins right and so yeah. he doesn't leave until his boss does that and to him that's yeah. the win because he's like yeah. well i'm not gonna bow down to this man but this man is gonna recognize who i am and then i can leave and and move and, and go along and so that to me was very 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 powerful in, in right because at that moment like the only victory is his like dignity right, right. He, he like yeah. refuses to like apologize because he didn't do anything wrong, wrong. like right the whole point was like white workers would say that to the boss all the time right that like they can't take on another shift because they're tired and the boss would be like okay cool right like there was also like that difference in terms of like what he said which is like something white workers would say all the time um just quickly i guess i wanted to make a shout out to this book called when affirmative action was white mm-hmm. by ira Katz nelson which mm-hmm. like talks a lot about right it was both the gi bill but also like right the house, uh, federal housing authority which made these like very racialized loans right and like um, black veterans like just black people in general right didn't actually get a lot of those loans and like he sort of makes this argument that if we really think about like government investment in americans like it's really white americans right who've actually right. gotten so much like government right. quote-unquote handout so mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. you know just kind of speaking to the broader politics of like what was yes. happening post-world yes. war ii that's right um but i guess to pick up on like the masculinity part of it like i think one of the things that I was curious about is what you all thought about some of the portrayal of women in this uh, book. <laughs> was, there, was there women in this book? Uh, devil in the blue dress is the woman. <laughs> I knew this was coming. <laughs> so, you know, let's talk about the women. Let's I just, about- you know, I just, uh, my, my first kind of thing that I'm just like, wow, do I like this book? Is the fact that the mystery is around finding this Daphne character. Like, f- finding her for what? Let her be who, wherever she gonna be. <laughs> but whoever she gonna be. Like, why we gotta spend how many pages looking for Daphne? Da- why? Why do we care about everybody Daphne? Wants to f- everybody wants to, f- that's the mystery. Why? That's true. Why, why do people care it's about the Daphne? Mis- is the mystery. That's yeah, true. I don't think the mystery is not like where she is. It's like no. why people want to find her. And what's the deal? And I was but just like, is uh, this is not holding me? Leave her. Leave, leave her. Like, Let- leave Daphne be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so between Daphne, Coretta, who I was just like, oh, come on, can we get more for Coretta? You know? I would love. I wish there was a whole <laughs> chapter about Coretta. Yes. I agree with you. Yes. yes. Yeah, yeah, so I was kind of confused about her, right? Because, I mean, actually, she's the one who I think is portrayed as this, like, greedy money monger, right? Like, I feel like not easy so much. I didn't read easy that much, like, that way, but it's basically he's like, but is oh, she? she's, I like, don't... trying to get money from everybody. Well, that's how she's portrayed. I don't know. Is she? I don't know, because we don't really get anything from Coretta's perspective. Well, that that's that's true. I didn't see her <laughs> as, like, I, I saw her as crafty. Like, 
I mean, everybody, there's so many people in this book that uh, are just trying to get by, right? right? And trying to get, like, it feels like mm. there's money everywhere. And it's sort of like, well, I should get my share yes, of it, right? Them. You know? Okay, mm-hmm. okay. And I sort of saw her, I actually like Coretta a lot. And I like Coretta, I don't know, maybe for the wrong reasons or whatever. <laughs> like, you guys can, can tell me what you think. But I like her because, number one, she uh, wants to have her own pleasure and makes decisions mm-hmm. about having her own pleasure. Yeah, right. Which is okay. I I, I respect there. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's like she makes she makes the call. Like she comes on to easy. You know, she stops in the middle and says, "Ah, we shouldn't do this. This is." And then she's like, "Oh, maybe we should." Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> her, her man's in the other room and she's like, "It's okay. Don't worry about it. He, you won't wake up. He snores." He yeah. <laughs> and so I mean, in a way, yeah, I just. Say thing about how his what is it like his crow doesn't crow as loudly yeah. anymore or whatever. he's he's old and he's getting a little heavy and uh he, he ain't crowing like he right, used to exactly of, well you know so you got to do what you got to do. do right yeah so i mean a part of me sort of has a little has some respect for coretta because she's just like doing her own thing mm-hmm. which a lot of people in the book are doing right um but True. i can see i mean i was i was like you crystal like i would love to, I would love to have, you know, a novel centered on a woman like Coretta, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which we mm-hmm. don't have enough of, right. you know, like mm-hmm. in this genre. In there the, are some, yeah. there are some, mm-hmm. but I would like to have more, you mm-hmm. know, characters like that. And yeah. I can talk about Daphne a little bit later. But we, well, oh, I was going to get to Daphne because I, was, I think the other thing I was kind of like, really, like all these women just want to sleep with easy, right? And, but I was like, well, to be fair, both Coretta and Daphne wanted something from him. From him. Right. right. So in some ways, like, I feel like, okay, so maybe they were using the sex and like his idea that somehow they would want him right. <laughs> as like a way to like manipulate him. So I guess I could see sort of both ways in some ways. Right. right. And we are getting the story from his point of view. Yeah. So right. it's right. like what he thinks is happening right. as right. compared to what might actually be happening. And side yeah. and side note, which is why casting Denzel Washington as this character in fair. the film really mm. works because I mean, mm. uh, who wouldn't, who wouldn't be attracted to Denzel Washington? Washington, you know. Yes. So, yeah. Fair, yeah. Fair. So that's that's a, I kiss him, that's, a <laughs> that's a strong casting uh decision. Yeah. Young Denzel, man. He's cool. Oh, cool. Denzel. Come on. <laughs> Denzel in all ages. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. He was yeah. he was great. So yeah, so I was like, okay, like if he look if Easy looked like Denzel, I get it. But <laughs> <laughs> Right. Right, but you know they, all these women supposedly throwing himself at them. Him. Yeah, but what I mean, I was I was just gonna get us to Daphne. Can we go to Daphne? Yeah, I mean, Ruby, Daphne, Ruby, Ruby, Daphne. I mean, so I I okay, I get the point that you know the mystery is who is Daphne and why Daphne. Um, but then, then this is the big spoiler. Once we learn who Daphne is and that she's. Um, you know, pretty much passing and trying to, in some ways, keep her identity or not keep her identity secret, but because because does what's the what's the rich guy's name? Todd Carter. Carter. Does he know that Daphne is passing? Yeah. Right. And so, mm-hmm. and she's trying to get away from him. Mm-hmm. But I, th- yeah. I, I think for me, what the most unsatisfying part was is that. The mystery, of course, is Daphne and that Daphne is passing. But to me, I was just like, we spent the whole book just trying to, like, find this woman who's passing. I mean. Well, she's passing and took, like, $30,000 of his money. So, like, it was, a, like, right, the, it was also, like, the money. But, yeah. But the money like, didn't seem like that significant of a part. I mean, like, yeah, yeah of, of a plot. True. A plot development. But he, he loves her, though. He loves her. I mean, you remember that scene with uh, him and Easy where he's telling Easy, like, yeah. how much he loves her and how. 
he put his head in her lap and cried and all this kind of stuff. And Easy's like, mm, this guy, <laughs> this ain't no man. And, yeah. and at that point, Carter knows that Daphne is passing. Yeah. So he loves mm-hmm. Daphne for Daphne. I, I mean, guess, I, but I think it was also like, right. So I guess to like the passing thing. So people were killed because they found out, right? Like Howard mm-hmm. Green gets killed because he found out that secret about, mm-hmm. uh, about Daphne. So I was kind of trying to figure out like, so the, and I feel like this is like made a little bit more clear in the movie, sort of. Okay. Right? This idea of like the secret, like because in that in the movie, and I don't think it's true in the book. Um, he's also he's running for mayor, so Todd Carter is running for mayor. Uh, and I think, think there's like this whole thing mayor. about his like in this too. Okay, I just knew yeah, that he didn't so. want like Taryn to be mayor, and that's why Taryn was mad at him. So anyway, okay. right? They um, both have a they both have a miss have a have run. a secret. And it, right. it's like a it's it's a, a contest basically to control the other person's secret. But they don't want Daphne's to... like identity coming out, Ow. right? Because he's running right, right, here. right. Okay. And Taran okay. Taran knows about it, and Carter right. knows about Taran's secret. So it's right. like who can okay. control the okay. other secret? Got you. Got but yeah. I was kind of so like, it's like political power, which is right. underlying the importance right. of the passing. Right. It's not that if right. okay. if if Carter finds out, then he'll be de- devastated. I think he already knows, knows. But of course, his family does not uh, want him yes. to to engage in this uh, any further I- anyway. Because like and in they, the nineteen forties, that was still a thing. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. 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 It was still it's still illegal. Right. Until nineteen sixty eight. Was it illegal in California? Well, I mean, because it was a state by state thing, right? Yeah, but there was because yeah. uh, federally, th- it, yeah. there was no protection right. federally, right? Right. 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 And I think doesn't Loving versus Virginia happen sixty one, sixty okay, yeah, like sixty seven, sixty eight. Okay. Gotcha. Oh wow, so gotcha. late. Yeah, okay, I wish so we get that so late. Yes. Mm-hmm. So okay, so that is a big mystery, and like okay. So I mean, yeah. so I think that's I I I just felt that I was investing so much in easy story only for the, that to be what was the big, mi- the big, big mystery. And then at the end, when he finally catches up to Daphne after, so he finds her at first and then she right. slips away and then he finds her again. And then all he wants to do is like sleep with her for three days straight. And I'm just like in a like glass house. And I'm just like, what the? <laughs> What's this? I okay, I got glass house. I mean, it wasn't. It just had a lot of windows, right, or something. Maybe I missed it. Like the but... sides were open. I yes. Think, okay. Know? Whatever. Well, <laughs> like, oh god. I think that part. I think this part is really interesting. It is. Um, it's very interesting. And, and I think <laughs> you know. Movie, they don't tweet <laughs> you you mean interesting in a different way? Oh, it's interesting. All right. <laughs> What do you find interesting, Todd? Oh yes. Okay, I I hear what you all are saying. Uh, I I find the character of that. Da- so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna say two things. Okay. First, I think this question about you know sort of racial identity and her true racial identity mm-hmm. is interesting. There's this other layer, which is the kind of like uh, interracial like romance right. angle. Mm-hmm. And one thing that's made pretty clear in the novel is that all these black men are like enticed by the thing which they cannot have right, right? which has been forbidden right. to them so you know whether it's joppy or whether whoever they all seem to be like you don't know nothing about this woman except that she's a white woman that per- supposedly is interested in black men oh, God. and it's kind of driving them insane right um yeah problematic so, <laughs> that is problematic but that's a thing in the, you know, that's in there. Like, don't and say it's a thing in the past. It's a thing in the present. Too. Oh, no, did I say that? Did I say that? 
Yes, I'm just did. saying. Yes, I'm saying it's a thing in the book. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. okay, okay. Uh, but I think you know that's 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 definitely you're right. That's a thing. That's mm-hmm. just a thing in yeah. like uh, yeah. you know uh, racial politics. Right. And, it, it, today, twenty years ago, forty years ago, whenever. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it just seems obvious to me that uh, there would the, the thing. If you're told you cannot have a thing, that you're going to be like, hmm, what's this thing about that they won't let me have, right? Right. Um, so that's obviously there. Um, and then I think like her, like her as a character, is she's pretty interesting to me. Like this duality, this two that she's these two people, and that it maybe mm-hmm. came prompted by her being sexually assaulted by her father and all this sort of stuff i think like the one thing i was thinking today because i was kind of rereading it today and kind of refreshing my memory that scene that you were just talking about crystal in the house Mm -hmm. um the thing that's that's powerful about about daphne and this of course is a male fantasy but is that she becomes what you need in the moment yeah right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so Mm -hmm. and i think he easy talks about this a little bit yeah but that scene when it's she be, she becomes this male fantasy. Yeah. Um. She behaves in a way that she doesn't always behave, and in a way that no woman really be, behaves like, because she just starts catering to him. Like she would become different for Todd yeah. Carter, because that's what he needed. Right. And it reminded me of the um the the Haitian Loire, uh, Erzali Afredo, like who sort of like is mm. this um seductive um god. Who becomes who can become a sort of fantasy of a man and there's a character in um in ishmael reads mumbo jumbo like hmm. that's it's a theme in, in mumbo jumbo which is also a mystery novel you can argue is a mystery novel we have the same thing of this kind of like um seductive woman who becomes what the man needs in that moment and therefore can have power over him i see um so in in this sense like it isn't I think you could read it that it's not that Daphne Monet um, surrenders to uh, to Easy, but that she is like she's playing him mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. because she needs him, and so she becomes what he needs in order to keep him doing what she wants. And in the end, right, right she's like, "No, I can't stay. I gotta go. Right, right. I gotta, I gotta go. <laughs> like, she's gonna. And we know she's yeah. gonna go start a new life somewhere else. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason why it's a devil in a blue dress. dress. Yeah. She's the, she's the femme fatale, mm-hmm. but she's also a sort of special femme fatale in the sense that, you know, with the racial right. element right. there, that racial identity element, she becomes like even more complicated femme fatale. Right. So anyway, that, that's sort of something I'll put on the table. It doesn't, it doesn't solve any of the problems necessarily. I think yeah. it's just a kind of a way of thinking about her as a character that to me, kind of it makes she's at least not boring to me yeah <laughs> she's not boring i mean so i yeah. found the part that you were talking about um so this is after yeah i guess they're like after they make love um so 186 and mine it says when i look back on that night i feel confused i could say that daphne was crazy but that would mean that i was sane enough to say and i wasn't uh and then you know and she says but i can't say that she was crazy Daphne was like the chameleon lizard. She changed for her man. If he was a mild white man who was afraid to complain to the waiter, she'd pull his head to her bosom and pat him. So that's Todd Carter. If he was a poor black man who had soaked up pain and rage for a lifetime, she washed his wounds with a rough rag and licked the blood till it staunched. And I think, I think 
you're sort of like this is how he's reading her but i think like this idea that like obviously she needed something from him like makes sense to me right like and i think it also makes sense to me that like maybe that's what she wanted from richard and that's what she wanted from todd carter and like right Mm -hmm. and i was like and initially when she she did have the money but she couldn't run away because she was waiting for frank her brother and that but then he was killed and so she's like what else there's like nothing there for her and she's like yeah bye (laughs) right like i'm Mm -hmm. out uh but to the point of like kind of thinking about this like fascination with the white women, I thought it was interesting. So later in the book, when he's like talking to Todd Carter, right? So and this is like after uh, Daphne's left, right? And he like found the little boy and he says, this is 211 in my version. What really got to him was when I told him that I knew Daphne was colored. I told him that she wanted me to tell him that she loved him and wanted to be with him, but that she could never know any sort of any kind of peace as long as she was with him. I kind of laid it on thick, but he liked it that way. I, ta- I told him about her sundress, and while I talked, I thought about I thought about making love to her while she was still a white woman. He had a look of ecstasy on his face. I had a darker feeling. I had darker feeling, but just as strong inside. And I was like, hmm. <laughs> like, I was trying to, like, puzzle through that a little bit, right? Like, mm-hmm. And I thought it was interesting that he's, like, making love to her while she was still a white woman, which is, like, an mm-hmm. interesting phrasing, right? Yeah. Because, like, she obviously always knew that she wasn't. Um just a white woman she could pass as a white woman so maybe both um, but so yeah it goes back like to your yeah it goes back to your comment just now around that this is his perception of right. who she is right right and so at that point that's how he perceived her mm-hmm. yeah um you know so she's the forbidden fruit right you know, and 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 not only does she you know open up to him she completely submits to him right in that moment in his mind Right. And so, you know, she says, I don't know, I I get I I still try to figure out some of the things that she says to him. You know, she says she asks him, like, does it hurt or whatever? And he's like, "Uh, it's a little weird. But she goes, (laughs) I love it when you hurt easy for us, you know, and I'm like, what is that? What does she mean by that? You know, I'm not really sure what she means, but somehow that moves him. Right. You know, somehow that moves him. And. I don't know, like, what is it that, what is it that he, well, Easy doesn't have a wife. He doesn't right. have any kind of, like, steady girlfriend or anything like that. He's alone in the world to a certain extent. But also the book suggests that he has, he, he does well with women, you know, in sort of uh, right. short-term kind of yeah. situations. Right. But I think it's it's reasonable to think that he's he's missing some kind of, like, real connection. Yeah with the woman and somehow this is like a fantasy connection and he kind of misreads it for the moment he's in it. I mean, in some ways he's like, he's bewitched by her. Yeah. And then he comes back to himself, you know, and part of it is that maybe part of it is realizing that she's not really white, but he does say after, even after he knows, like, why don't you stay with me, stay with me. But she's like, no one can be with me who knows the real me. Right. You know, I, I, I have to go somewhere where I can basically create this illusion again and that and maybe she's mistaken because her thing is like as a black woman the only way i can have power is to be a white woman right right and that's like i think that's a mistake Mm. but it also for her in her mind makes sense right right? i mean seven people were killed because of her so right so there is like some Like, mm-hmm. and it's not because she was a black woman, right? Like a black woman right. gets killed because of right. her, because like right. Patrick is white, right? right? right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think mm-hmm. the other thing I found interesting was like Mouse basically, and this is at the end of chapter- Oh um, man, Mouse is my favorite. 29, right? And he basically says that 
uh, Easy's just like Ruby, and he says, mm-hmm. uh, "What you say?" That's and he says, well, "She want to be white." Think like white people. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. she want to be white. All the mirrors people be telling her how she light skinned and beautiful, but all the time she knows that she can't have white. What white people have, so she pretend and then she lose it all. She can love a white man, but all he can love is the white girl he thinks she is. What that got to do with me? That's just like you, Easy. You learn stuff, and you be thinking like white men be thinking. You be thinking that that's what what's right for them is right for you. She look like she white, and you think like you white. But brother, don't you know that you both are poor ends? And the end ain't never gonna be happy unless he accept what he is. And I was like, woof, mouse. Yeah. <laughs> that's truth, though, right? Isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I, there's part of that. Like, I don't think that because you're black means you have to be poor and you have to necessarily act like mouse does. No, right. But but Mouse, to me, Mouse is my favorite character in the whole book. Mm. Mouse is, to me, the most honest character in the whole book because he knows who he is and he's right. true to himself. Right. And he doesn't, he never, like, contradicts, like, he, he, you know, what he is is what you get, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And that's why, that's why uh, Easy calls him. Right. Because right. he knows what he's going to get, exactly. right? Exactly. He's a killer and he loves money. And that's it. <laughs> and dang, he killed like, so many people in, this, in like a day. It's like how long yeah. is he even in LA? Yeah, but they're <laughs> also yeah. friends, you know. Right. They're also. I, I just like. Yeah. I don't know. Like maybe I have a friend like this. Not exactly like this, but oh, I do have you, Todd? A friend, I do. I'm not gonna name the Don his Gino name. Character. Yes. <laughs> yes. Who is like? We call him Don. Uh, always, da- it's always dangerous with what could happen when he's around. Wow. Um, but he's the most loyal and the yeah, like the, the most like you you just love him mm-hmm. and he will always be there for you if i called him tonight and said i need you tomorrow he would be here tomorrow yep. to help me yeah you know and if if he was here tomorrow you're gonna get what you get when he's here <laughs> you know well, and he's like a black man who's married to a black woman and like has no particular yes. like you know yeah. fascination for white women so. that's what i'm saying and he, he yeah. i think he's you know he says like this is where i this is my sort of role in the world yeah. and i'm just trying to get that money but i know that when i get that money it ain't going to transform me into anything different you know whereas easy i mean again i don't want to like uh knock aspiration and you know trying to better yourself mm-hmm. but I mean, maybe it is true, like we were kind of saying earlier, well, Easy's just trying to get this money so he can get this house, um, so he can have security. But in a way, and I also said because he so he can work for himself and be independent. Right, right. But there might be a level to that, which is what Mouse is saying, is that he thinks he will be able to escape the things in life that impact black people. And he won't. He won't. True. He's just like her. Like she can she can pass for white, but somebody always knows the truth. And if they catch up with you, that it's gonna that's you're gonna know, right? But that's I do think gonna... that like I think like but in that moment it was also like a lot of people were moving from the south to the north with those aspirations, right? With those aspirations that you wouldn't be as bound by your race. And obviously the north was just as segregated and like right, like in different ways. But I do think that's like this interesting moment of like for easy to like have moved to LA right and have moved to kind of this place that was supposed to be the dream where mm-hmm. like you don't have to act be constrained by your race and obviously Right, that wasn't true. So I do wonder it's, if there's like a difference between like Mouse still true. being in like Houston and like yeah. Easy being in LA and being like I should have, right? Right. What white right. folks do because it's not the Jim Crow South. You see, uh, yeah. I mean, I think maybe that's one of the things is like it, you know I would say number one, it's never the truth that if you right. if you're in the if you're in America, 
it's the same everywhere. It it manifests itself differently. It looks right. differently. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that I think black people found to be even more painful when they came to the North is they could see even more clearly what other people had yep. that was being denied to them. What right. white people, the way white people could live. You know, yep. I, I, I uh, remember in, I think Frederick Douglass in his narrative sort of talks about that. Like when he gets to the North and he's like, it's so nice up here. Mm-hmm. The poorest white man lives better than you know the the right. richest white man down south or whatever right and so you you see what is possible but also is impossible right you know and 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 mouse is like mm, all right i know i know what the what what it looks like and what what it is and i'm not trying to be anything more i will try to get that money and i will right. kill you for it but right. the money is only like it's only a tool that just sort of gets me from one moment to the next moment it's not mm. transforming me into another kind of person so i mean i wonder i haven't read any other easy Rollins yeah. books but i wonder if this is something that he continues to struggle with which is like right. no matter how many houses he buys no matter he has he's just gonna harass by like racist cops right, right. So, right. yeah yeah like i do think that there's like obviously he's not like i can be a white man but i i just i just feel like there is like that moment of like right when you're like migrating when you're moving when you're like Mm -hmm. things you know you move because you think things are going to be better right you don't move because you think things are going to be worse right so i do think that it was just like i think in this like broader sense of like what those aspirations were like i think easy kind of makes sense to me right like his like comparison being to white folks right to being like why shouldn't i right have a home why shouldn't i have a job why shouldn't i have right why should i have my boss call me mr rollins right 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 I think he's seen, you know, it even clearer when he's in Europe too, right? I mean, he's yeah. seen, you know, he's felt that kind of being treated like a person, even though, right. you know, the, the military is, and I think, you know, this the American is, American military, right. Right, the American military is segregated and everything. When he's not, when, like, when he's just out of town in, in, in France or something like that, right. he's probably treated like a, like a person. Right. Um, and then to come back, he wants that, you know, he wants to find that, but where you can find it, how you access it, how you get it, yeah. is the more difficult question in the United States, right? You um, know, they have that saying is like, you know, what's, uh, you know, what what do they call, what do they call a, a black doctor? You know, they call him an N-word, you know, mm-hmm. like, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you can get as rich as you want, you can get as many accolades as you want, you can mm-hmm. achieve whatever level of success to, mm-hmm. to a lot of people, that doesn't mean anything. Right, right. Yeah, and I do think, like, going back to, like, the, you know, so this idea of, like, the house, like, I do think it's, like, interesting that the novel ends with him and Adele, like, mm-hmm. being at his house, right, and yeah. sort of, like, sitting out front on his porch and kind of, like, having this chat, um, and so I do, yeah, like, I do think that it's just, like, such an important well, part of, like, being American, right, and so, like. Mm-hmm. Um, and Odell, like, there's two things that he has there, maybe three, like, he has, he does have the house. Mm-hmm. And he does have some financial security for right, the future. Because he got the money future. from Daphne. Yeah. Right. right. Mm-hmm. But he has friendship. Mm-hmm. And like, I think that's the big. Odell mm. is the one guy through the that's whole true. novel. He doesn't <laughs> double cross him. He doesn't kill nobody. Right. He, like, he doesn't get he killed. Really, he doesn't get killed. He doesn't <laughs> really God. talk that much. Right. But right. He, you can, he's, he's got wisdom and experience. Mm-hmm. And he always, easy, always asks him, you know, for advice or he asks him about something. Um, and Odell answers honestly, you know? Right. So, yeah, I think to, when he says, you know, he, he asks him that moral question at the very end. Right. And then uh, Odell answers and he says, we laughed a long time. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a beautiful way to end the book. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, agreed. All right. I feel we like have we're... Other stuff to- 
Is this gonna be a short episode? No, it'll be short for us. For us, like almost fifty. So yeah. All right. I think I feel better about maybe thinking about sort of the portrayal of women. Just like I think being like this is Easy's perspective, right? Like obviously it's not like the women's stories themselves, and he needs to see them the way like he needed to see them. And it's like a it is like a first person novel, right? So we're not like necessarily getting. Well, like the don't, inner workings of the other people. And, and don't don't misunderstand me. Like I'm not trying to argue that this is a <laughs> feminist novel or anything like that. <laughs> I, I'm I, all I'm saying is like I think we should consider like like you said, you know, that it's from Easy's point of view. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is this genre is notoriously misogynist. Mm-hmm. It has a history of that, you know, and um, you know, Walter Mosley is writing within the, you know, the conventions the of this genre is, right, is right. 1990, you know, right. like there's lots of factors, doesn't really excuse anything, but it could help us to understand why, um, the, the book is like this. And, and so if we're going to read next, a mystery novel by a woman author, which we are, I believe we're going to do, mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see right. if there are differences. And I think the author we're going to read also uses men as her primary characters oh, which is oh, interesting. interesting kind okay. of yeah oh, okay. that's an interesting okay. um so that is maybe. different because i was gonna say like mm-hmm. another shout out to blanche on the land but you're right but I guess right blanche on the like, land is, well maybe that's a black woman so. i want to ask you guys that so w- w- what's the difference like what what's the difference between blanche on the lamb and this book like w- we but we all love blanche on the land right and if you think about it like to me um blanche on the lamb is not necessarily like a better constructed novel or better written necessarily. I don't think like, you know, craft wise or anything, it sort of jumps out at me like, oh, it's just way better as a, you know, literary piece of work. But we, I think we all love it more. Mm-hmm. Why? I think there were just a, I mean, a fewer people get killed, not as many people get killed. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so there's that at least. But yeah. I do think like the mystery and like, Right. It, the mystery was, I mean, there was that like point of like somebody's racial identity being a mystery, but that wasn't like the mystery, right? right. There's like, like all these other things going on. And I just feel like her analysis of like what was happening in terms of like race and class and gender was just so much more astute than mm-hmm. I think like easy out. Like, not that he doesn't have any, right? Obviously, he's like thinking about the police, thinking about, right, sort of how mm-hmm. he's been treated by these white men, right? Like, so right. there's like some of that. But I do feel like maybe his analysis gets like a little detoured by just like his masculinity and sort of his like, right, how he's thinking about like Daphne and Coretta. Yes. So like I think in Blanche of the Lamb, it's like just much more straightforward and astute. I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I think, you know, the difference is you have that Blanche of the Lamb pushes back against conventions of this the uh, genre. genre. Yeah. First by having, you know, this woman be the main character. But right. that she is a domestic, that she is, you know, lo- a working class person. And I think the most important thing is what you said, that the co- in the convention for a hard-boiled um, noir detective is that the person who's doing the detection is not, can't see very clearly and is, is led astray, is sort of like constantly sort of they're compromised in some way or they're being led astray by somebody else, something like that. And in Blanche on the Lamb... Her thing is like she can see everything more right. clearly than anybody else. Exactly. So she can give us that analysis of what's happening in a way that Easy Rollins can't. Yes. His, I think Easy Rollins' sort of most important attribute is his like his ambition, but also his sort of moral center that he's trying to be a good man and he's trying to do what's right. And that's kind of what mostly propels him. Mm. 
But in her case, it's like she sees what's wrong. She she sees what other people don't see because that's what her job is. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I, yeah, I totally agree. I think the other thing about Blanche on the Lamb, and I think it just reiterates what we've already said, is that I just saw her so clearly and so uncompromisingly um, coming against all sorts of, you know, intersectional oppression, right? And so I, I, I won't go as far to say that sometimes I felt that, I don't know, with Easy, I felt like he was just shoulder tapping, shoulder rubbing a little bit too close to hetero patriarchy. And so that's, that made me uncomfortable. And, and I think that is at the heart of, you know, why I was like, ooh, this, is feel, this feels a little eh, icky to me, this book does, mm-hmm. because of Easy's closeness um, mm-hmm. and um, his willingness to rub shoulders with heteropatriarchy to get what he wanted. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas mm-hmm. Blanche, I mean, Blanche leaves her children, right um you know for various reasons and she stands up to all of these crazy white people and you know and so i just saw her as having more uh, like you said a critical analysis of her situation and of also a historical understanding of her situation that i just don't quite see with easy but i also have to recognize and understand that you know although this is not mentioned in the book um you know specifically you know, Easy is also probably suffering from some type of PTSD, right? I mean, you it's sure. not, it's, and we didn't have that language probably then. Sure. Um, and so, like, there, there are multiple parts of Easy's identity that, um, you know, that is actually at the intersections, like race, class, disability, like all of these things. Sure. But we're not getting that that sharp analysis of that. That is flat child. Yes, exactly. And these, yeah. these, am I wrong? Like these books are written around the same time, right? Yeah, I think so. Yes, I yes, think so. yes, and, yes. And one just gives us. I mean, that's the thing that you get when somebody comes in and kind of blows up the the, the genre. genre. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and does it differently. I mean, so much about Devil in a Blue Dress, it just sort of goes according to the the conventions of the genre and according to kind of like folk folk characters in black folk in black cultural right. history. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got the bad man. I mean, you got yeah. these these mm-hmm. characters in this book that kind of could fit into any kind of toast or whatever you know that that comes from kind of like street and folk culture yeah and um blanche is it, it does that in a different way it, but it but it creates new archetypes yeah. i think yeah and and that's the, that's the thing like you read when you read blanche on the lamb you're like oh oh crap like i didn't even this is so inventive yeah and the other thing maybe I would add just that's maybe different is Barbara Neely was an activist before she was ah, an author. Ah, okay, mm-hmm. okay. Okay, so that book is meant mm-hmm. to be a political book. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's it, yeah. And I think like, I was thinking of like, what would Mouse say to write to like Blanche? But it's like, Blanche is not only, right? She knows who she is. Right. She doesn't mm-hmm. need to be white or be think white to like mm-hmm. know her worth and like be her thing. And also mm-hmm. like, she also isn't going around just like killing people for like the, you know, to get money or to get right. to, like power, yeah. right? right? So I kind of feel like in some ways, like, you know, what we like admire about Mouse, right? Like his sort of like understanding and like realistic, under- like she has that and yeah. she's like actually morally like a good person, right? Yeah. Like well, she has it, both of those things. Mm-hmm. Can I add one, one final thing? Like this is, yeah. I'm super fascinated by, I never even thought about this uh, comparison, comparison, to be yeah. honest with you. It's really interesting, but 
Blanche of the Lamb takes place in a later time period. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Blanche has access. So it takes place like after the 60s. Right. She has That's access true. to like black consciousness. That's there you go. A- Afrocentrism. Okay. And all these sorts of things that, that yes. s- sort of feed her thinking yes. and her self-confidence. Yes. And all of that in mm-hmm. spite of the fact that she's a domestic right. and is working class, you know. So she she has this stuff. I mean, not that it doesn't exist in 1968. Right. But not in the way that, or 1948, excuse me, yeah. but, mm-hmm. but not like it did after the 60s, after yeah. Black Power and the That's Black Arts Movement and all that kind of stuff, you know, so. That's a good point. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. So we're sort of letting Easy Rollins off the hook. No, we're not letting them off the hook. No, we're not them off the hook. We're just, we're doing our own analysis. Yeah, I'm just, you know. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, that was a super fun book, though. I feel like it's like, yeah. you know, just a, uh, yeah. And I do think, I mean, I don't know why I didn't think of like, Plan to the Lamb right away. It was kind of like, mm-hmm. oh, we have read other mystery novels. And so, mm-hmm. awesome. All right, let's go around and talk about, I don't know, what you've been up to. Crystal, you want to start us yeah, off? Yeah, I can start because I've, you know, I've been really doing my binge. Well, it's not actually been binge watching because I'm watching the last and final season of The Good Fight. And they are just releasing it like weekly, one episode at a time, like, which oh. and I, exactly because I hadn't caught that it had started streaming. So there were like three episodes waiting for me and I just mm. like consumed those so quickly. And now I'm caught up. So I'm like, ah, I want more. Good fight. <laughs> but I have to wait, you know, so that's what I'm watching. The Good Fight. Nice. Thank you. And that's a sequel to The Good Wife. Yes, so that was exactly. uh, awesome. Yes. Thanks, Crystal. Todd, yep. what have you been up okay. to? I remembered what I've been watching. <laughs> okay. And it's a doozy. Oh. Uh, it is Dahmer. That's what that's what we watched. That's what we watched. And like we were kind of like one of my friends was like, Don't watch Dahmer. Don't watch it, yeah. And I was like, What's the problem? And he was like, Frankly, I don't think it should be on television. Right. Was exactly. Like his... Yeah. And then I was like, Whoa. Now I'm gonna I watch to, it. I have to watch it now, right? Mm-hmm. And so no, we watched okay. we watched the whole thing mm. and it is I mean I don't even really know what to say about it. Yeah. Um the one, there's I don't know why we kept watching. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean there were episodes that were there's one there's one episode in particular that focuses on the life of one of the yes. men who he yes. killed and his and his mother. mother. Mm-hmm. He's he's deaf. And that was really, I thought that was a really good episode. But then, like, later I found out that the makers of the show didn't really consult with the families Uh, or anything and didn't have any contact with them around this. There's no financial, like, nothing. Mm -mm. Um, And that's that's a problem. But my, my other thing is, like, why did they think they needed to make this show? Right. (laughs) Um, Why? and, And it always sort of flirts. It's always on the edge of being like sympathetic towards Jeffrey Dahmer, not in the sense like no one making the show, they would argue the exact opposite. opposite. But my argument is like when you make a show where yes. this character is the center of the show, yeah. yes, you has you're you you're asking for sympathy for this exactly. character. You, if you're trying to tell like explore what made Jeffrey Dahmer the way that he was, then you're like mm-hmm. you're bordering on asking for sympathy for that character. Yeah. So. These are questions that I was sort of asking again and again and again as I watched it. So this is not a recommendation. I would not <laughs> recommend that anyone watch it. But it is like, I don't know, like it's a, a fascinating moment in you know American cultural history. 
to have something like this on. And this is not the first, I think they made a movie about Jeffrey Dahmer. Like it's, you know, so um, this is not the first time. Maybe the question of why uh, we are fascinated by this person yeah. uh, who killed black and brown people um, compulsively and, and ate them should, I mean, the, maybe the one good thing about the show, and th- this will be the last thing I say, is that it does have a sort of strain of like, the reason that he was able to get away with this is because he was just a white dude. Mm-hmm. And like, he got the and killing mostly black and brown victims. Killing most of black and brown yeah. people who no, who nobody cared about. Yeah. Um, they were co- black and brown queer folks. Yeah. And um, they didn't count. And there were n- numerous times where he could have been stopped, where the police came to his house or mm-hmm. caught him with somebody that he was kidnapping and they didn't because he was a white guy. Yeah. And I feel like maybe that's a show I'd want to watch, right? Like interview mm-hmm. those cops and be like, hey, right? Yeah. Like, what were mm-hmm. these like? Why were you mm-hmm. like, why did you let him go? What? Right. I mean, I yeah. just think mm-hmm. that like, if we're going to make yeah. a like a critical perspective on that, because I'm like, okay, so like, a, you know, yeah. like from an abolitionist perspective, like I do think it's like interesting to think about like, mm-hmm. these are like the extremes, right? But it's like, yeah, let's think about like, why? that wasn't prevented right yeah. and there's like so many like larger structural reasons for why yeah. like that i think to me is interesting but like yeah. i mean like, yeah. yeah there are so many ethical problematics with with this and you know because i have deep connections to people from wisconsin I, as mm. it came out people were just like no we're not we're yeah. not watching this or people would um, and i'm talking about on social media will post yeah. and say they would they tried to watch it and they're just like no like this is um this is wrong and and, and todd to your point about the episode with the with the black mom um i saw an article with her an interview with her mm. and you know she that th- this show re-traumatized her because the mm. she said even down to the casting and then also down to the aesthetic choice of how they portrayed her and she was like it was like i was watching myself right mm. and, and to not have any contact to know that this was coming Right, mm. it's just so That's ethically, it's just ethically unconscionable. So yeah, it's yeah, it's horrible. Don't watch it. I watched it for you. Don't watch Don't it. Don't watch it. There yeah. you go. Yeah. Um, I just have two recommendations. So recommendations. Uh, <laughs> I recently <laughs> read. Um, it's called The Book of Kane and Margaret by Kik Araki Yamaguchi. And it's like a book of short stories about Japanese Americans who were held at the internment camps of the 1940s. Mm. And a lot of the short stories have like these like fantastical kind of elements to them. And I think like speculative fiction was like an interesting way to like get at both the like just dehumanizing, right, sort of things that they went through, but also like the ways in which people kind of pushed back, including perhaps through their imaginations. Mm -hmm. I thought it was like a really interesting sort of genre for that um and all of the stories have like a character in them named either margaret or kane so that's the book oh, name yeah so yeah it was just um just like really different than like a lot of things i read i'm not really a huge speculative fiction person but i would definitely recommend that and the other thing i did binge watch uh, and it just literally came out so don't judge me was the third season of uh dairy girls on netflix oh which okay is about a group of young women like growing up in Northern Ireland, like in the 1990s, like kind of during the troubles. And so the last, the third and final season just came out. So, so my, si- my sister-in-law has been trying to get me to watch that forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like really yeah. interesting. So it's like these teenagers, right? And there's like all the stuff going on, right? Like bombings and like the guard, right? It's like kind of coming towards like the peace agreement, basically. Uh, but it's like, you know, the whole show is kind of like all this was happening, but also they're like teenage girls, right? right. <laughs> so they're having their like, you know, sort of teenage things. I, I think that it does actually a really pretty good job of like balancing just like 
people still live right right like in like times of conflict like mm-hmm. you have lives you have babies you have friends you have all these things but also like you know they sort of have this like mode of um they have this like television that's always on in the like the family like living room right that's wow, kind of like okay. giving news reports and things like that mm-hmm. so yeah i thought it, they did like a really interesting job of like thinking about that like what are like everybody like everyday lives look like right, right. it's like extraordinary kind of circumstances um, so yes, yeah, so I think it's yeah. So three seasons total, definitely recommended. Um, all right. So I think as Todd alluded to earlier, our next book is going to be Attica Locks: The Cutting Season. And I don't know what it's about. I know Crystal has read it, and I know uh, Todd knows like Attica Locks work, but it'll be kind of a new author for me. So I'm excited. Um, yeah, I think that's it. So thank you all for listening. You will find the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, all the places where you can find iTunes. Please get boosted if you haven't, and please keep staying safe and sending you all big virtual hugs. Thanks, y'all. Thanks. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. You've just been listening to a brand new episode of The Drip recorded from St. Paul, Minneapolis, and Washington, D.C. Our show is written, produced, and directed by Anita Chikator, Crystal Moten, and me, Todd Lawrence. We are the All Spoilers Collective. I've been a little slow in getting this episode ready for you, so we already have another one recorded that we did together in person here in St. Paul. The first time in over two years we were together, we're so excited that we just ended up talking. We didn't even talk about a book, Um, but we'll have that one ready for you soon. And then another episode to follow in December on Attica Locke's mystery novel, The Cutting Season. So until that time, take care of yourselves and each other. (laughs) 